spokenly. He lurked in the shadows, waiting and hoping she wouldn't take a different room. This was her usual room. He knew that. He knew her. Ghost of Me, the new book by Amanda Steele, can be found at Amazon, Kobo, Waterstones and many, many other places. Spokenly. Hi guys, it's Andy N. Thanks today for downloading or streaming yet another episode of Spoken Label. As you may or may not be aware, Spoken Label was started in the beginning of 2006, and currently we have well over 150 sessions recorded since then. Although you can find it on various networks, the full archive is available for streaming and downloading at Spoken Label. Full stop, bandcamp.com. It is a free download or free stream in there. But obviously, if you feel like chucking me a few pennies that way, it'd be eternally grateful to help me keep this podcast going and keep improving my equipment, etc. Enjoy. Speak to you soon. Bye bye. Spoken Hi guys, Andy and Spoken Label back in the house on Tuesday night. We're over to another country today as well, and you'll guess it from the accents in a minute. But I'm speaking to a lady called Claudia Clark, and I got talking to her recently on LinkedIn, actually, about a book that she's got out at the moment. And I'm going well, to come on to that in a minute, because it's a topic that really interests me, this one, so I want to talk to her about this today. So, Claudia, first of all, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell them, obviously, who you are. And obviously, where where all your writing originally came from, and we'll take you from there. Sure. Um. Thank you so much for having me. Um. My name My name is Claudia Clark, and I am originally from. Uh, I was born and raised in Michigan, um, but lived most of my adult life in California, San Fr- the San Francisco area. But most recently, since September of 2017, my husband and I relocated, and we're living about an hour outside of Munich. So we're in Germany. Yeah, that's what. I thought, I thought you said you'd lived in Germany. I remember I was talking about it because everyone was wondering. Obviously, I do my research to people, but Claudia sent over a load of information to me, which was very helpful on LinkedIn. And we can't get into LinkedIn tonight, so it doesn't help matters at all. That. But what made you want to move to you and your husband to move to Germany in the first place? Then? Uh, well, that's kind of a long story. Uh, my um, my uncle was stationed in Germany when in the 1980s and 1990s, and when I, I visited um, when I was in high school, I, I fell in love. Growing up in Michigan, it's, Michigan isn't flat, but it doesn't have the mountains that Germany does, and I, I truly fell in love with the the Alps. And I just I said one day I'm going to live here, and um, we. Um, had initially thought my husband and I had initially thought we would at some point we would retire here but he between what was going on we weren't particularly happy with what was going on in the states Uh, my husband worked in a he he's an engineer so he worked um, in startup companies his whole career and he was just he was burned out working in um, startup companies as an engineer in Silicon Valley he was tired of the 80 hour weeks so friends of Friends of friends that were German expats in uh, California made a couple of calls, and next thing you knew, we were on our way here. 
Right, you know, yeah, so yeah, that's why another stuff like I, I've been to, I've been, I have been to Munich actually, it's a really nice city actually, really, really enjoyed it. Been to Berlin as well, so yeah, you know, I love the country. So, but obviously, we're here today to talk about your writing, really. So, and we'll come on to the topic you've up in a minute, but what made you start writing then, basically? Did this come when you lived in America, then did it? Or was it come later in life? Yeah, you know, that's actually kind of a long story too. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the book I wrote was was about the the, the relationship between US President Obama and, and German Chancellor Merkel. And uh, there were there are a lot of things that, that went into it. Um, I I have I studied both um, politics, political political science and history when I was in college. And I I just happened, to, I, I don't know what it was, but um, right after President Obama had, right after the 2016 election, uh, President Obama was in Germany for his final European trip. And he and Chancellor America were having a their final press conference together. And I, whatever reason, we were still living in the States at the time, I happened to turn on the television and was watching the press conference, which is unusual for me because I, I normally don't watch press conferences because you know, the people aren't mic'd and, and they have a tendency to answer every question but what the reporter asks. But for whatever reason, I was intrigued. And I just remember watching uh, Chancellor Merkel, and you know, this is the woman that everybody, you know, she has the, the reputation of being poker face. She, no emotion, she's very, very straight laced. And I remember she looked like she was about to cry when she and President Obama were talking. And so that was in the back, and then you know, that was kind of in the back of my mind. And then over the next couple of days, the media in the States was showing, you know, different articles about pictures of the two of them over their eight year working relationship, you know, proof that with headlines such as proof Obama and Merkel are really going to miss one another when, when Obama leaves the office, leaves office. So that was kind of in the back of my, my, my mind. And then I happened to watch, we we're still in the States at the time. And I happened to watch uh, the very first press conference between Trump and Chancellor Merkel and the when she wouldn't even shake or when he wouldn't even shake her hand and then the you know the media of course was making fun of you know they're comparing and contrasting Obama and Merkel with uh, Trump and, and Merkel and then I I realized that there was something to that relationship and I remember when I was in a graduate history class people were talking you know, my professor was talking about the relationship between Churchill and FDR and that they had been very very good friends and that books had been written about the two of them so after I you know I was comparing and contrasting Merkel and Obama to uh, Trump and Merkel I so I said okay let me see what I can do let me let me see if there's research out there if there's something really available that I could actually write a book. And at this point, uh, when Trump came to, uh, or I'm sorry, when Merkel came to Washington, this was in March of 2017. At this point, my husband and I knew we were going to move. And what I knew that I needed to do something that I could, my German is limited, so I really can't work in Germany yet. It's kind of a work in progress. And I, I knew that I needed to do something where I could, I, I could do something without being able to speak the language and that would allow me flexibilities that I could do it in between my German classes. So I started researching and much to my surprise, there was so much material. And the next thing I know, I've got a 250 page manuscript. 
Wow. <laughs> Good grief, yeah. And that, is that from your first draft then, basically? That was it alone, the 250-page manuscript? Yeah. Wow. Grief. How, what sort of process was this then, basically? Did you find it quite an easy book to write, and then did you, when you got together? Um, there, were, there were some yes and no. Uh, one thing that I learned, I, I came in kind of at the, at the tail end of the relationship when I watched, uh, when I watched their, their final press conference. And it, I had remembered that there had been some discord between the two of them over the years. For example, in the very beginning, where uh, President Obama, who was at the time candidate Obama, wanted to speak in Berlin before the Brandenburg Gate, and uh, Merkel said no. And so that there's some animosity between the two of them over that. And then there was also some problems when it, it was discovered that Obama was wiretapping Merkel's personal cell phone. Oh. And so there was, so when I was digging in and I was finding this research, I was thinking, oh God, this project is, is dead before it's even started. But what I learned, and, and I write this in, in, in the book, is it's the, the relationship did not start off on did not start out linear. It, they they had their they had their ups and downs, but because they had so much pro profound respect for one another and their their country, uh, Mirko coming from the former East Germany, she really believes that her freedom is the result of the United States. So she she gives um, the United States and the leaders more leniency than some of her other counterparts would, um, and so. So they, they learned to work together very well. And so what I, the way I, I wrote the book was, it was a relationship that started off very challenging. It was very, very difficult. But over the course of their eight year working relationship, they learned to not just respect each other, but, but really like one another. And even when there were, even when they were um, good friends and they were communicating well, there were challenges, for example, the, the wiretapping issue. And I don't let President Obama off the hook. He was wrong on that. And, and yeah. I don't, um, and, and when he was, when he was wrong, I call him on it and vice versa with Miracle. And so it was trying to, trying to frame um, the book was a little challenging until I, I, what I did was, the book is about the transformation, how we went from two world leaders that barely tolerated one another to the end result where Merkel cried when she said goodbye to President Obama for the last time. And the very last leader that the very last phone call President Obama made the day before the inauguration for Trump in 2017 was to Chancellor Merkel. And so I, I talk about the highs and the lows of their relationship. And, and there were a fair amount of lows in there. But one thing I emphasize is despite the problems that they had, despite the disagreements that they had, they, they managed to work through it. And more often than not, they were stronger and better partners as a result of, of the disagreements that they had. Wow. No, I said, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a fascinating topic what you've picked there straight away. So now one mention learning obviously about this is obviously like with the research in it, was there any, obviously apart from the blogging side of it, was there any, any other thing you learned about the character of the people that really surprised you? One thing that really surprised me about President, that I learned about President Obama was um, he is very introverted. And, and when you hear him in, 
when you hear him speak in front of people, you would never know that. But he's a very, very private person. But he is very introverted and does not like to when he when he has his downtime, he just kind of wants to be left alone. And and that kind of caused that a little friction with him and other world leaders initially because they thought he was dismissing them. You, whether it be France or whether it be the, lead, the leader of Great Britain, whoever it was at the time, they just couldn't warm up to him. And it wasn't, it was, it was because he was just, he had had, you know, he, I'm an introvert myself, so I can totally appreciate this. You can only handle so, being around people for so long, and then you need time to kind of regroup. And so, and so while he wasn't being on while it was being perceived he was being unfriendly to to world leaders like france and great britain and italy it was just he needed time to decompress and and i argue this in the book that i merkel was able to break through that wall a little bit in part because she was she was so adamant a such a strong supporter of the United States that she tried harder. She she really wanted that relationship with the United States. And I think she tried a little harder than, than the others may have because of that, because of her East German roots. And I, when you see President Obama, you would never, when you see him speaking or in front of people, you would never know that he was an introvert, but apparently that, and I think that was probably the, the, the most interesting thing I learned. And it doesn't, I'm an introvert like that too. I can get up and speak in front of 500 people and, and not have a problem. But when it comes to making small talk at a party, oh my God, no way. You know, it's just like, <laughs> no, I just can't do this. Just get me, get me out of here. And so that was, that was interesting. And I don't spend a lot of time in the book talking about their bio, about their biographies because there are multiple biographies about Merkel and, and Obama already written. But I did I did write one chapter on, on them. And admittedly, the, the information that I learned about Merkel was actually more interesting to me than the, the information about President Obama. Um, and, and, and I remember when I, my editor looked at the chapter and, and, and the name of the, that particular chapter is called The Arc of Our Lives. And my editor said, uh, Claudia, we have a problem. Um, you have 10 page biography on, on Obama and a 25 page uh, on Merkel. You either need to write more about Obama or take out some of the information on Merkel. And so I, knowing very full well that I didn't want to write a bi biography, I needed to take out some of the, the information about Merkel. But with her, I just found her fascinating because she, you know, she started off as a physicist and how she went from a physicist to a, to a politician, I found was interesting. Her East German roots, I found interesting. And I think this ended up being one of the, the tidbits that I took out of the book just because uh, for, for balancing reasons. But when she was in college, uh, she was the, the, um, East German like Stasi interviewed her and wanted her to come work for them. And she had, she knew that it would be a bad idea to say, no, I, I'm not interested. 
And so her, her father had told her, if, if they ever contact you and want you to work for them, tell them that you have a big mouth and you don't know how to keep a secret. <laughs> and so that's what she did. And so it was a kind of a, okay, don't call us, we'll call you. And then they never called her again. And that unfortunately didn't make the book just because it, it wasn't particularly relevant to what I was talking about. But that was just, I found that absolutely fascinating. And so there were little things like that that I really, that I thought were interesting. Yeah, certainly. I said it sounds like you got a lot out of the book from what you've been telling me there straight away with it. Did you find, and as a writer, because this is your first book, isn't it? I'm presuming, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Did you find, and actually, your approach to writing itself changed over the development of this book? Perhaps the way you've been researched. Um, no. no. One thing that was very, very helpful for me is as a historian and as a policy person, I, I'm used to going into um, the archives looking for different, for um, looking at, at bills that were debated in Congress or books that were, that talk about biographies and, and that kind of thing. So I was, that was, I was used to that. But one thing that this was the first, one of the things that I did in this book and I was able to was that I, I looked at the, I had the transcripts of all the press conferences between Merkel and Obama. So I, I had the written words in front of me, but at the same time I had, I could watch the videos on the White House archives. And so I could compare and contrast to make sure that the, the transcripts were in fact accurate. And one of the, one of the ways I used to gauge the relationship between Merkel and Obama isn't, there were three criteria I used, and one of them was how they interacted with one another. And when I was looking at the, the videos, I could see them laughing and I could see them smiling and I could, you know, rolling their eyes at one another. And you're not, you didn't see that in the transcript. And so this was, I was really happy that that was a, a very welcome surprise that I could, that I was able to actually see that kind of interaction. And uh, the, I wrote my master's thesis um, in history in 2004, and it was, we were just on the brink of having all these modern technologies, so to speak, at our, at our uh, disposal. So it was a welcome surprise to, to be able to, to, to have both, access to both. Yeah, sounds like it. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. And, you know, I had never, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I had never, before I wrote this book, I had heard about Kennedy's um, Ich bin Berliner speech, but I had never actually seen it. And thanks to YouTube, I, I reference it. And thanks to YouTube, I was able to actually, for the first time, I watched the entire um, speech. And so I could quote the speech and not, you know, the, a book that's quoting it. And same with uh, Ronald Reagan's Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall speech. So that was, I, I was really happy that for the first time I could actually, I had these tools at my disposal that I didn't, I wouldn't have had probably even 10 years ago. Brilliant. Yeah, and I've, I've certainly found it with the internet over the last 15 years myself. It's like the research you can do now is probably, you can do it twice as quick. Yeah, well, twice know, as it used to be, yeah, that's for sure. It's, it's funny, my mother was a librarian and, and, and she was, when she first started her career, it was the card catalogs. And then where you had to type in everything and you had the card catalog. And, and then she was at the 
transition period where everything started being done electronically. And she she used to say that if she had if they had had word processors when she was in college, she would have had a PhD. It was just she, you know she wanted a dissertation, but she didn't want to have to mess with the research and and the computers or typewriters, not computers, but typewriters. <laughs> I, knew, I knew what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. That's it's fascinating story between the pair of them. So did you have any material left from the book where you, could you make it into another manuscript or you're not sure where you're going next yet? Um well where where I currently am right now is I I have a publisher in the United States. Um and it will be where where Miracle is stepping down officially at the end uh, sometime in September. And so our goal is to have this particular book published in September before she leaves or as she's leaving office. So, um, and then I also am in contact with a a publisher in Germany as well um, to have the the German manuscript done as well. And we're kind of looking at at a same time frame. So that's where we are with this project. And I'm, I'm torn about my next project because I, I, I am currently in Germany and it is a little more challenging to do, um, promote books and promote my work um, on the American side while I'm in Germany. Um, So what I, I'm really, I'm interested in, in finding out the, the Republicans in the United States that were never Trumpers that are all of a sudden letting let Trump do anything that he wanted while he was in the while he was in the White House. I'm interested in pursuing that and, and trying to figure out why. But I, I'm, I am worried about my limitations of being in, in Germany um, and not in the States trying to do something like that. So the yeah. other thing that I'm thinking is possibly the I am very, very concerned, and you know, you're in Great Britain, so you understand this. The rise of of the alt right, you know, Brexit. Oh, yeah. Brexit is a, a symptom of that, and yeah, I'm it's I'm horrified at the number of um, different the rise of the AFD in Germany of all places, and so I've I've started doing research on on what's going on in different parts of Europe, you know, France. Hungary's got a, a alt-right person, Poland of all places. So I, I'm researching that area and I'm not sure which direction I'm gonna take. If, if I just wanna focus on, if I do write a book on that, do I wanna focus just on France and Germany or do I just wanna focus on Germany? I just kind of need to, cause I'm afraid if I, because it's, it's frightening just how big it has gotten um, Austria, the Netherlands. So. I'm afraid if I if I focus on all of the countries where it's happening, it's we're gonna it's gonna be too over over cumbersome. So I'm I'm just kind of researching it just to to see where things where things may fall. Yeah, yeah, of course, makes sense. Have you found that obviously with the virus outbreak, has that impacted the way you research or where you've been thinking you're writing at the moment? Um, surprisingly, not not how I've researched because I've done the bulk of my for the first book, the bulk of my research was done online. Um, so it wasn't a problem at all. Now, for if I do something more modern, especially since I'm in Germany, if I want to go out and I want to talk to people, 
for example, why go and talk to why these people want to support the AFD. That could be a little bit more cumbersome um, with with the restrictions. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens happens. But as of right now, I haven't been too limited. I think my biggest limitation might actually be in, in the promotion because, you know, people aren't having meet. They can't have meetings like to promote their cause like they like in the pre-corona days that they could. So in, in that regard, it could be a little challenging. Yeah, completely. And it's something is. I think the way the world is at the moment, we're in very, very strange times at the moment. Like, I don't know if you follow, I follow much, you follow the news currently in the United Kingdom, but I know where it's like in Germany as well. And it's just quite worrying times at the moment, definitely so. But that's pretty well my questions today, Claudia. Claudia, it's been a fascinating chat. Thank you. Now, if people want to find out more about you, where are the best going? The best place you can find me is on my website, which is Claudia Clark Author. Yeah, that's dot com, of course, isn't it? So, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or and you can you can also find me on LinkedIn at Claudia Clark, or Instagram Claudia Clark Author seventy three. Brilliant. Cheers for that, Claudia. Now, hang around. I need to put Earthy off mic. This is Andy, and thank you again, Nathan. I've really enjoyed today. It's something to be honest with you, Claudia. It's something to chat to people like you, where you're doing topics like it's um, I don't normally cover. It's been a pleasure sometimes. I've learned something from this today. So that's always makes life more fun, definitely. So thank you today anyway. So thank you again, Claudia. This is Andy, and thank you, everybody. Stay safe and stay over, and we'll see you all soon. Spoken, mate. <laughs>